Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. It is an extra happy victory Monday here in Indianapolis as the Colts are officially in the playoffs. My name is Joe Hopkins, and joining me virtually is Mike Chappell. Today, we're going to recap the Colts' postseason clinching win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll discuss takeaways from that game, uh, mention an injury. I know Anthony Walker got a little banged up in that one. And we'll also talk about a few season-long accomplishments that the Colts were able to notch under their belts as well. But first, we will start with the news. And the Colts' 2021 opponents have been finalized. At home, the Colts will play, obviously, Houston, Tennessee, Jacksonville. They'll also play a rival from the earlier 2000s, New England Patriots, the New York Jets, LA Rams, Seattle Seahawks, and the Las Vegas Raiders. On the road... Aside from their divisional opponents, the Colts will play the Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, Arizona Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers, and the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll have plenty of time to discuss 2021 schedule uh, over the offseason, but I just thought I'd mention that off the top. And then also NFL.com's Tom Pellicero reports that the Panthers have requested an interview with Colts assistant GM Ed Dodds. For their general manager position, Dodds has been with Colts and the Ballard and the Ballard group for several years now. Um, I mean, by all accounts, Colts have one of the best front offices in the NFL, so it would certainly be a loss if Dodds leaves. But Mike, I believe Dodds has had opportunities to leave in the past, and he chose to stay with Indy. Yeah, and, and this is what you want if you've got a good organization. Uh, you build from the bottom up, and, and you sort of nurture these guys to go on their own. I go back to uh, one of the teams that has a head coaching opening, uh, the Chargers, with Tom Telesco. Remember, he came, He was he was here for a long time, and, with, and he stayed with Ryan Grigson, and then went to the Chargers. So yeah, we're going to see uh, Matt Eberflus's name and maybe Nick Sirianni's name, Sirianni's name out with the Chargers and Eberflus elsewhere. So that, 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 that tells you that you're way when Quite honestly, people want your 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 higher ups in management. Yeah, when people start picking at uh, different pieces, you know you're doing something right. Okay, now that that's out of the way, the Colts are the seventh seed in the AFC after defeating the Jaguars. They will visit the two seed Buffalo Bills. Kickoff is scheduled for 1:05 p.m. on Saturday. If the Colts win, they will then visit the one seed Kansas City Chiefs. We will talk much more about that matchup on our Thursday episode when we're joined by Dave Griffiths. But for right now, we're going to recap the Colts' win over the Jaguars. And they they definitely kept it interesting for us, that's for sure. Uh, Colts Nation has the Bills to thank for clearing a path to the playoffs by beating the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins, I mean, it was 56-26. to 26. They just really didn't show up in that game. And the game they had to have to make the playoffs. So the Dolphins are out. The Colts are in, and this is how they got there. Jared Veldheer got the start at left tackle in place of Anthony Costanzo. He actually came out of retirement and signed with the Indianapolis Colts on New Year's Eve. The 33-year-old most recently played with the Packers. And all in all, Mike, I thought he held up pretty well. I thought he was definitely an upgrade over Chaz Green. Hopefully he can continue to improve as he spends more time with the team. Yeah, the one thing is... When you know a, a, a left tackle or even a right tackle, for that matter, plays decently, 
is when you don't you don't really hear his name a lot. You don't see him out there, and and that's kind of what they got. You know, we'll see. You know, who knows how they grade these guys? But I thought the fact that he'd been there two practices, three practices, maybe, and he went out there and played, took all the snaps, and held up. That's not what they had been getting at left tackle with Chaz Green and and early in the season Roy Raven Clark. So uh, they they there had been talk about going to Quentin Nelson, but. You know, what I always thought is it, the, the fewer movement, moving parts you can come up with, the better. Leave the interior alone, and, and then if, if Valdir struggles, you know, shift. But I, th- I thought he held up pretty well, and it was encouraging moving forward. Yeah, that was kind of Dave's view on the last week's episode previewing this game. He thought it'd be better to leave, you know, left guard through right tackle intact. Uh, definitely better for the running game, that's for sure, and that's how this one played out. Colts got off to a great start after a Jaguars punt. Indianapolis went 78 yards on six plays. Uh, Taylor, who needed 84 yards in this game to reach 1,000 for the season, had 72 yards on that first drive alone, including a 56-yard run. T.Y. Hilton was the one who finished off the drive with a six-yard touchdown reception on third and five. Very quickly, it's seven to nothing Colts. Indy's defense enforces a three and out, and the offense gets right back to work. Taylor and Hines march Indy right down the field. Jonathan Taylor has a touchdown on second and goal, but it was called back because of a face mask penalty on Veltier. That was really the one time that he kind of held the Colts back with that penalty. Um, The Colts couldn't recover from second and 17, and they settled for a field goal. Still, though, 10 to nothing Indianapolis. On the Jaguars' ensuing drive, the Colts had back-to-back sacks, the first by Kenny Moore, the second by Darius Leonard, who knocks the ball loose. It's recovered by T.J. Carey and returned to the Jaguars' 15-yard line. Three Jonathan Taylor runs were all the Colts needed to punch it in for a touchdown. Just like that, it's 17 to nothing. Indianapolis on defense. Colts force another three and out after Buckner has a sack on third and nine. And now uh, Indy's offense can't keep it rolling, though. They had a three and out of their own. Jaguars near dri- are now driving in near midfield, but Jacksonville decides to go for it on fourth and one. Mike Lennon's pass falls incomplete, and the Colts take over on downs. A pass interference penalty and a 15-yard Michael Pittman Jr. completion sets up the Colts with a first and 10 at the Jaguars' 13. But JT is stuffed on third and three, and the Colts opt for another field goal. It's now 20 to nothing Indianapolis and Colts and fans have to be feeling pretty good about themselves. This was kind of a game where you thought, come on, please just handle business. Don't mess around with the Jaguars. They get off to a great start and it's looking like it's going to be smooth sailing, but not so fast. Jaguars receive the ball with about two and a half left before the break and they suddenly wake up. They march 75 yards on seven plays. Mike Glennon then connects with LaVisca Chenault for a nine yard touchdown Drive just looked way too easy. They didn't even have a third down on that entire drive. Colts now with the ball with about 27 seconds left. They just run it. But then Taylor picks up 14 yards on that run, and suddenly Indianapolis takes a timeout because they have a shot at a field goal. A couple passes to Naheem Hines gets Indy to the Jaguars' 38. They trot Rodrigo Blankenship out to attempt a 56-yard field goal, but it comes up short. It's now 20 to 7 at the half. Not the best way to end the half, but still. 13 point lead over the Jaguars. Things are all right. Second half now. Taylor starts with a 29 yard run on the first play. 
But then on third and five, the Colts bring out Jacoby Brissett. I have to believe, Mike, that that's not how they drew up the play. Brissett just kind of scrambled to his right, ended up running for two yards. Um, Blankenship then would hit the upright on a 49-yard field goal try. No good. But, Mike, what were your thoughts on having Brissett out there on a third and five like that? I thought they got a little cute. Uh, you know, he, he, it's one that one thing that Frank Reich has done very well is maximize a guy's strengths and, and get away from the the uh, weaknesses. And I, I thought in that case, they were trying to get too cute. Put you know, put Rivers back in and, and just stay stay in, in rhythm the way you've been doing it. So I I don't know if that's one of those that he'd like to have back, what like he talked about last week, and uh, it, it just it just looked disjointed and. I just I don't understand it. I didn't understand it, and maybe at the time you thought, well, what's it going to hurt? But uh, it would have been a nice way to kind of keep that drive going. But it just it just looked disjointed. Yeah, I mean, I get it with the third and fourth and one or two. It's been working. Just run him up the middle for the quarterback sneak. But third and five, I mean, he's not the fastest guy. I wouldn't expect him to run for that. And you know, if you're going to have him pass it, I'd rather Rivers do that. But anyway, Jaguars take over at the thirty-nine. On first down, DeForest Buckner gets to Glennon for his second sack of the game. But then Jaguars convert on third and 14, and they keep it moving. The drive ends with another Chenault touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's 20-14. to 14. We have a six-point game, and all the momentum has swung to the Jaguars' side. Man, it, it was just last week that a similar thing happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they scored two consecutive touchdowns, and they got all the momentum. Indy on their next drive will go three and out. On three, Jonathan Taylor runs. And at this point, my Colts Twitter was freaking out. The Jaguars has scored two straight touchdowns on each side of the half. The offensive la- offense's last five drive for the Colts resulted in just three points. Everyone was like, are we really going to miss the playoffs because of the Jaguars? I, I mean, me included. I-, I tweeted out there, if you can't beat the Jaguars, you don't deserve to make the playoffs. Um, I, I got to imagine that the Colts players and fans were pretty anxious at this point. Yeah, I think that's the old pucker factor. Uh, and again, it's, it's just something we've seen that the quick starts and blowing the lead. And like you said, it was 24-7 last week and, and every, with everything to play for. And then you go from 20 up to, to, to 2014 and nothing's working offensively. And the defense has given up a couple of you know easy scores. Fortunately, the defense got its act together and really put the hammer down. But the offense really never got got it going again. Even when they scored at the end, it wasn't like they drove. So, you know, it's it's a little late in the year, late in the season to say, can you fix it? Because if you can fix it, you'd have fixed it in October. Uh, But but this uh, this this tendency of leaving people hanging around. It's one thing when you do with Ben Roethlisberger. They let Mike Lennon hang around. And what that does, when it's 20 to 14, you're one screwy play away from having your heart ripped out. You know, that, it, that wouldn't take a great play. It would it, take a bad bounce. It could take a deflected pass, whatever. And they played with and, – and, and if Colts fans weren't wondering, oh, no, here we go again, right now they're lying to you because they were – uh, fortunately, the, the defense kept playing well, and Jonathan Taylor said was an, enough was enough. Yeah, the Colts defense did really play well from that point forward. They would force a three and out on their next drive. On the Colts' ensuing drive, Rivers takes a deep shot to T.Y. Hilton, 
The ball just kind of hangs in the air on him. It's intercepted by the safety who came over and made a break on it. The offense, like you said, Mike, is just sputtering. The punters really earn their money in this game because the next five series we go Jaguars punt, Colts punt, Jaguars punt, Colts punt, and then a third consecutive Jacksonville punt. At this point in the game, there's about four and a half minutes left. The Colts are letting the Jaguars hang around, but a three and outs on the jet of the Jaguars' previous drive and an 11-yard punt return by Naheem Hines sets the Colts up with great field position. They start at the 50, and on the second play, Jonathan Taylor makes a linebacker miss in the hole. He breaks a 45-yard run, takes it into the end zone. The Colts' best offensive weapon stepped up when they needed it most. Indy goes for the two-point conversion to make it a 14-point game, and Hilton hauls it in. It is 28-14 to Indianapolis with about three and a half minutes left. And thank God for that Jonathan Taylor run, because like you said, it's not like the offense put a drive together. It was one great play by Taylor who, you know, I forget who said it. I was reading a story on Fox 59 and CBS4.com. But that could have been like a two-yard run. I mean, there were defenders around him. That linebacker should have made that tackle, and he just kind of does like a stutter step. Uh, the linebacker tackles nothing but air, and boom, he's gone with that speed. I mean, Taylor looks so good over the last course of the season. He looks comfortable out there. He's reading his blocks. His vision just looks so much better than it did in the first half of the year. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he, now he is what they said he was going to be all along. Just took a little bit of time to get here. He's running strong. He's running with, with the moves, the speed, the power. And uh, that's what you want now. And again, it, it, it was funny. We talked to Naheem Hines. He said it was like he was back at Wisconsin. He said that was Badger JT. And how many games did he have at Wisconsin like that? A bunch. It was a 30 for 253. Uh so, and again, you wish the offense had been more, I don't say balanced, I don't care about the balance, but the fact they were three of 10 on, on third downs and Rivers wasn't really sharp, but uh, th- this is how, this is a kind of team that can do something in the playoffs because defense, if you can get your defense going in a run game, and they've got right now the second hottest running back in the league and the other one's Derrick Henry. Which has got to be something a little bit new to Colts fans. Back in the day when they made the playoffs every year, it was pass, pass, pass. Hope your defense doesn't give up too much. Hope you get enough out of the run game. A very different built team. I guess that's going to be the case when you no longer have Peyton Manning at the helm. But uh, a very different team. But 11-5 and five on the year, I would say this is a good season. The Colts are able to run out the clock after stopping the Jaguars on downs to end the game. And they make the playoffs for the first time since 2018. And as far as takeaways now, Mike, got to start with Jonathan Taylor's historic day. You mentioned 253 rushing yards that came on 30 carries. And that yardage broke Edron James' single-game franchise record. Uh, James's mark was 219 yards. Taylor also joins James, Marshall Falk, Joseph Adai, and Dominique Rhodes as the only Colts to rush for 1,000 yards in their rookie season. Taylor had 1,169 yards and 11 touchdowns in 15 games this year. His yardage is good for third in the NFL behind just Derrick Henry, who we all know the kind of year he's having, 2,000 yards. And then Dalvin Cook uh, had 1,500 just about. 
Taylor on the year averaged five yards per carry, fumbled just once on 228 touches, which was an issue coming out of Wisconsin. He really cleaned that up. Tom Rathman, the uh, running backs coach, has done a great job with him and all the running backs in Indianapolis. Taylor also had 36 catches for 299 yards and another touchdown. So all around a great year for Taylor. And something that they don't talk about enough, he holds up pretty well in pass protection too. I mean, there's been some times that he's stepped in and taken on a linebacker and protected Rivers, uh, which is great for Indianapolis. Just an all-around great pick, 41st overall. I know that Michael Pittman Jr. went before him, but Taylor's really the guy who's made an impact for the Colts. Yeah, and, and that's what they told us all along. And, and obviously the dynamics changed when Marlon Mack went out in the opener. This was supposed to be a tag team, and now it's it's, it's clear that uh, their backs by committee has been replaced by Jonathan Taylor. Well, Naheem Hines, what did he have, two carries yesterday? Uh, yeah, two carries, several catches, which is kind of his what his role was going to be anyway coming into the year. But, but the running game is Jonathan Taylor. Oh, yeah. 37 carries, 30 of them by Taylor. And, and two of those 37 were kneel downs by, by the quarterback. So th- th- this is what they envisioned. And I think what's, what's encouraging is, Taylor doesn't look like he's wearing down at all. You talk about the rookie wall and all that. Well, the, the fact that he didn't have the, the super heavy loads early in the season. Remember back in, was it week nine and 10, whatever it was, when he had, when, I don't go back and look at it, was it 19 carries in two games and really didn't do that when he had the, the, the fumble against Baltimore. But uh, he's really coming on strong, and that's what you want. Injuries, you know, this is the game of attrition. You lose players. But when your bread and butter is is your strength going into the playoffs, you have to be encouraged. Yeah, and I do think it is worth mentioning. We talk about how Taylor is a running game. Jordan Wilkins missed this game. He was placed on the COVID list, the Colts announced on Sunday. Uh, so hopefully that was just a close contact, not a positive test, and he's able to return soon. Because heaven forbid something did happen to Taylor, you want someone else behind besides just Naheem Hines back there. Um, but anyway, we'll get more updates as that goes along in the week. You can follow us for updates throughout the week on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, where we'll keep you updated on everything regarding the Indianapolis Colts. Another takeaway from this game is that passing game continues to struggle without Anthony Costanzo. Although the offensive line didn't give up any sacks in this one, Rivers had just 164 yards. He was 17 of 27 passing, one touchdown, also had the interception. If we include the Tennessee game when Costanza left early, Phillip Rivers has a 85.1 passer rating in the five games without Costanzo. That's compared to a 104.2 passer rating with Costanzo this season. So, Mike, that just goes to show how big of an impact Costanzo has on this team. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out in because – uh, we, when we talked to Jonathan Taylor last night, he said, you know, he said Buffalo was going to say, well, that was a Jaguars he ran against, and he won't do that against us. So you know they're going to do whatever they can to limit Taylor's effectiveness and make the Colts throw the football. And that's where Rivers has to be. You know, this is this, this is the playoffs, the one and done. You've got to be able to – you can't get by seven. I don't see any way they, they approach Buffalo – successfully if Rivers goes 17 for 27 for 164. It just, he needs to be more effective, more more reliable, and still have that running game to lean on. 
Yeah, that's not going to be enough to keep up with Josh Allen in the Bills offense, who just looks fantastic right now. But we'll have more on that on Thursday. A um, couple other takeaways from this game. Again, offense is slumping in the second half. Over the last two games, the Colts have 41 first half points and just 11 in the second half. I don't know if, you know, Frank Wright is scripting the opening drive. Colts are, I believe, second in the league on their opening drives behind just Green Bay when Frank Wright has it scripted. But then once the game gets going, I don't know if it's play calling. I don't know what the deal is, Mike. Do you have any answers? No, I don't. Uh, I thought in, in Pittsburgh, they, they, they field position hurt them, you know, with, with, with when they're, when they're pinned back and, and then when you don't convert a third down, you, you're out the field in a hurry. But maybe when you get the big lead, you're trying to milk the clock a little bit and you're less aggressive. I don't know. But this, this if, when you play the quality teams now, uh, you just can't afford to be so impotent in the second half because you, you know that Josh Allen, uh, they're, they're going to threaten you every time they're on the, on the field. So either the defense has to really crank up its game or the offense has to have get this figured out. And again, like I said, we, we talked with this with Rivers a few weeks ago. And he said, you know, he said the, the quick answer is if, if we knew what was wrong, we'd fix it. So they, they don't have the answers or they would uh, do something about it. But uh, it, it, this is probably their Achilles heel right now is these quick starts. They've scored opening drive touchdowns like is it eight or nine times this year. It's really it's amazing. There. It's really yeah. amazing. Uh, so how they, how they adjust and compensate, I don't know. Uh, again, it's just crazy to think they're going to get this fixed in five or six days, but, uh, it, it's certainly an issue. It is at times the offense makes it look easy at times. It looks so hard to even pick up a first down, but hopefully they'll have some better luck next week. My final takeaway here is that the defense handled their business. Yes. I get it was the Jaguars, but they did what they were supposed to do, and they had a season-high six sacks, two by Buckner, one by Leonard, who also had 10 tackles, two passes defended, and the fumble that led to a touchdown. Um, he's my, just going to say it now, he's my pick for defensive player of the game, that's for sure. Uh, one sack by Kenny Moore, who was second on the team with eight total tackles. It was nice to see Kamoko Ture get a sack also, his first sack of the season coming back from the injury. Justin Houston and Grover Stewart also combined for a sack. Mike, did you have any other takeaways from this game? No, Tomoko Troy also had three quarterback hits. So he, he was out there very active, which, again, is very encouraging that he's getting his legs under him right away. And defensively, Jacksonville, 17 carries for 53 yards. Uh, this run defense is legit. It really is. I went back and looked, and this is this is the second best statistically, the second best run defense uh, the franchise has had. It's I think the second fewest yards since was it like 1971 or yards yards per game allowed, 90.5. The, the franchise record is 79.5 and 71. So again, except for Derrick Henry, nobody ran on these guys. Yeah, and thankfully the Colts are not facing Derrick Henry next week. Um, injuries in this game. I did see that linebacker Anthony Walker was shaken up late. We'll have to get an update on him. Mike, did you see anyone else go out in this game? Did not, which is, which is encouraging that you're not adding to your injury report right away. And, you know, we'll see how the injury is or the injuries are when they get out to practice on Wednesday, but, uh, they appeared to come out of the game and we don't know what Anthony Walker's issue was. 
was kind of lost in the euphoria of, of the victory. So uh, we'll get an update later in the week. Yeah, he was able to get up and walk off the field. So that's always a good sign. And we'll give you the update on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. Let's take a look at some season stats. Mike, you already noticed how uh, noted how good the Colts were in rushing. I saw you also noted on Twitter that they scored a lot of points this year. 451 points, third most in franchise history. Uh, most with was Peyton Manning in 2004. He, they scored 522. Andrew Luck and the Colts had 458 in 2014. Uh, and then, Mike, you also noted, yeah, the defense and return game helped this year with six touchdowns and three safeties. But in 04, they had five return touchdowns. So it kind of evens out. Um, if you're going to score that many points, you're going to have to get some help from other sides of the ball. So all in all, this offense, although at times they make it look really hard, they scored this year. Yeah, it, it's really crazy. Back in 04, you thought, yeah, that's pretty good offense. They're really piling the points. And even with luck in 14, I never got the impression year that this was the third best offense point-wise in franchise history. Just, like you said, never felt that way because they, they would hit those those strange lulls where they almost couldn't get, it, get out of their own way. But statistically, again, it's, it's a bottom-line business. Pretty good offense. You just wish they were more consistent. Yeah, it, it was really came in streaks. They would score points in bunches. Uh, but when you total them up, they come out to be a lot. Let's look at some personal accomplishments, and let's start with Philip Rivers. He finished the season completing 68% of his passes. He had 4,169 yards, 24 touchdowns to just 11 interceptions, and he really spread the ball around this year. Six different players had 30 or more catches. Naheem Hines actually led the team with 62 receptions. Uh, kind of interesting to see a running back lead the team. Hilton led the way in yardage and touchdown receptions he had 762 yards in five touchdown receptions the touchdowns were actually tied with Zach Pascal who also had five touchdown receptions Rivers' 7.7 yards per attempt average was up from Brissett's 6.6 in 2019 Mike Frank Wright talked over the offseason about the importance of getting that number up getting some more big plays on offense overall at least in my opinion you know obviously the Colts aren't done yet I would say Rivers, we can go ahead and call that signing a success. Without question. We talked probably back in August. You've probably got the, the, the clip somewhere, but when we were talking about Rivers and expectations, I, I kept saying 25, 24 touchdowns, get the interceptions down to 10 or 11, and 4,000 yards, and, and that's what you – in the big plays in the passing, that's what you want, and that's what he gave them, 11 and 5. Wild card, I th he at least matched expectations, perhaps exceeded them. I don't know. We'll see how it goes on, on Saturday. But, I, again, I think if you'd gone back in August and said, Frank, we're going to give you these numbers from Phillip Rivers. We're going to give you an 11-5 team. Would you take it? He'd have sat there and nodded his head and not asked for anything more. So I, I think whatever they expected from Phillip Rivers, they got that. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. The maniac. Darius Leonard had another monster year. In 14 games, he had 132 total tackles, three sacks, nine and a half tackles for a loss, seven passes defended, three forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. I did find it kind of interesting. He had no interceptions this year, which is surprising because he had five last year. 
Um, he finished ninth in the NFL in total tackles, and every player ahead of him played at least 15 games, many of them 16 games. So if he played a full season, no doubt he'd be near the top of that list in total tackles. DeForest Buckner, Mike, he was worth every penny. He led the team with nine and a half sacks, 58 total tackles. So he's not just a one-trick pony. He was everywhere on that Colts defense. 13 and a half tackles for a loss, and he knocked down three passes as well. Sticking with sacks here, Houston had eight. Danico Autry had seven and a half. Great season for Autry. Kenny Moore had another standout season. Led the team with four interceptions. Tied with Xavier Rhodes for a team-high 12 passes defended. 80 total tackles, fourth on the team, two sacks and two tackles for a loss as well. And Mike, the Colts found themselves a kicker in Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, 32 of 37 on field goals, 43 of 45 on extra points. Two of his five missed field goals came from 50 plus yards out. And then yesterday he doinked the one from 49. All in all, a great year for the rookie and hopefully he'll improve moving forward. Yeah, again, the, it, it's crazy that the... Uh... The distance still seems to be an issue, although the 56-yarder, it was down in the middle. It was just short. Uh, I, I think they're fine with him. Going back to Buckner, how many times have we seen a team make such an investment in the offseason, in this case a trade with the 13th pick and then $84 million, and it not working out? I mean, a lot. And here's one where they said, this is, this is the position that drives our defense. This is a guy we want. What is DeForest? 26. So uh, this is the kind of defensive cornerstone that you build around. And he was every – if, if Phillip Rivers matched expectations, DeForest exceeded him. And when that happens, you, you, you're you doing – you know, you're, you're living right and you're doing things correctly, and uh, he should be a mainstay for the next four or five years. Oh, yeah. Shame he didn't make the Pro Bowl. Hopefully we'll get him in next year. Mike – I was so excited with the game, I forgot to do players, offensive and defensive players of the game, so I guess we'll close out the show with that. On offense, I think it's pretty obvious who you got. It's, anybody that runs for 253, that was, what was it, uh, tied for the ninth most in NFL history? Tied for the second most uh, by a rookie, ever. And, and the only one that's ever rushed for more as a rookie was Adrian Peterson, who ran for 296. So uh, very impressive because, again, th this is a franchise that's got four running backs in the Hall of Fame, four. And Edron James never approaches, and that's not a, a, a knock on Edron. It's to put Jonathan Taylor's uh, game in perspective. And defensively, it's got to be DeForest, I think. It's such, so disruptive. Uh, if you want to go with the Darius Leonard, you can. But uh, in big games – your big players, your playmakers step up, and that was the case yesterday. Yeah, I mean, Buckner's right up there. He had the two sacks. He got pressure throughout the game on Mike Lennon. I went with Leonard just because he he seemed to always be around the ball, and his sack led directly to Colts' points, which ended up, you know, at the time he thought we might blow him out by 40, but that touchdown ended up being really big in that game. Uh, there's no wrong answer either way, obviously. But that'll do it. On the Colts Blue Zone podcast today, again, my name is Joe Hopkins. Mike Chappell is with us. And on Thursday, Dave will join us as we preview the Colts' playoff matchup against the Buffalo Bills. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>